0: session okay very well Uh, I don't know if I have time or we'll think of it at the end of it and maybe I said some of this before but I do appreciate the hospitality that you've extended to us here you've been very attentive I haven't uh, needed to be uh, sending the ushers out I think I'm trying to remember I think it was in Nigeria maybe that ushers would be there kind of running patrol with a stick and like a little, I don't remember, was it a rag on the end of it? And if someone was sleeping too much or, or whatever, misbehaving in the front, you know, it's like there was some pretty serious uh, uh, accountability being uh, uh, foisted upon the willing or unwilling uh, 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 misbehaving uh, people. Talk, uh, the, the topic for this second part is related. It's not necessarily a uh, one uh, taking a, a uh, metaphor from the Scriptures directly, but it's, it's talking about the Church and our relationship to the Church. Uh, the first evening, I think, and maybe different times, we referred to Christ's words in Matthew 16, verse 18. Uh, part of that verse... I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We get the picture of an un- of powerful and unstoppable force, a power that all the powers of hell could not withstand. And I think it's fair to say that as I look out across the church in North America, that we have fallen significantly short of that goal has been gracious. There's been times of revival. I'm fascinated with what was happening over in uh, Asbury, at Asbury College. What factors do you think contribute to the anemic church of today?
1: Do you think that it's that Christ's
0: uh, changing power is somehow running out, that there's a finite supply that's being exhausted, Vincent, you say no. So what do you
1: think the situation is?
0: I think you're getting right on to the point that I want to look at. It's not that the the supply of God is somehow running out. This battery just isn't taking much charge anymore, and we're just going to have to learn to do with the lights on a little dimmer. It's that man is somehow missing the point, Vincent. That man is somehow fumbling the ball. I'd like to look this morning in this session about how we... View church this morning. We have gathered in church. I guess this is a gym, but it will function as your church because that's how you're using it. Uh, We say we are in God's house. You know, it would be interesting to look at your motives for being here. In some cases, our stated motivations and our real motivations might not be A person who goes to church may say something like this, I always attend church, so of course I will be here this morning. It's a habit for me. Or another may say, I need the time at church. I get dusty and dirty during the week, and I need to come and get freshened up with my walk with the Lord. Or others may come because you wouldn't want to be seen as some unconcerned, some spiritually dead person if you wouldn't attend. And in fairness, probably for all of us, our attendance at church is a combination of factors. This morning, I'd like to look at our participation in the church. I want to look both at the individual church services, the cultos level, and our overall involvement and our commitment to the church as a body.
1: How we view the church will impact our participation in church.
0: How we view the church will impact our participation in the church. And let's flip that around. How we participate in the church will impact how we view church life. It's kind of a cause and effect thing that works, that runs both ways, I think. You know, there's different metaphors that we could use as our perception of church or a church service, a church service especially. You know, the church could be seen as a vendor of goods and services. A trip to church becomes much like Judy's trip to the grocery store. She chooses the things she needs, she puts them in the cart, and she's set for another week or so. I can view the church as a place to come, to pick what I want, leave what I don't, and I'm good to go for the next. Maybe for others, the church is a form of entertainment. The preacher arranges his thoughts. He stands in front of us and he delivers those thoughts, those messages. And we say, oh, that was a nice sermon. And we were
1: glad we came.
0: Church can be seen as a sporting event. There are two teams represented. They play every weekend. It's the good guys against the bad guys. It's the preacher against the world. Let's go again. We'll see how this week's contest plays out. Uh, The other evening, I think was it our doctor friend that talked about the church as a hospital. I didn't. I mean, I don't have that in this in this stretch. But that would be another way that we could see the church, not just the services necessarily, but that would be another whole metaphor that we could look at uh, with with how the church is to uh, one of the ways that the church works in the world. Well, these three things, the vendor of goods and services, entertainment, or a sporting event, there may be some validity in some of these descriptions, but I think they all fall short of what the church These views have us using the church for our convenience. We basically come to the church to have our perceived needs met in these scenarios. We seek gratification with no personal effort. This morning, I would like for us to look at our relationship with the church. Are we spectators? Are we participants? How we view those two questions will very fundamentally impact our church experience. I want to challenge us all this morning to be active participants in church. Don't go to church.
1: Be the church. Be the church.
0: You know, it takes very little effort out in the world to sit in an armchair in front of a big-screen television and watch a sporting event. I think we just had the Super Bowl a couple of Sundays ago. Is that right? I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right there. There was like 113 million people tuned in to watch that event. But there are some tremendously, tremendously profound differences Between an overweight
1: couch potato chugging a beer
0: and watching that contest, or the athlete who spent years of intense discipline and training to be skilled enough to be out on football game has been described like this. It's 50,000 people who desperately need exercise watching 22 people who desperately need a rest. So how do we move from being observers to being active participants? Paul, the Apostle Paul, was an intense person who was able to change his focus and adopt goals that really counted. Philippians three. I've gone back to that passage uh, different times, numerous times. There's so many things that we can learn from from Paul and his testimony there in Philippians three. But what things, verse seven, were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of oh, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And it's like Paul is coming to the realization or he's verbalizing here in this letter to the Philippians. Misguided goals. Those goals of his past won't cut it. Those things that made him proud back then caused him shame now. Now it wasn't anymore about climbing the religious, the social ladder, but it was about Christ and his righteousness. Paul's values changed. You know, the observer can be pretty taken up with himself, the godly participant. Realize that it isn't about himself, it's about Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul warns Timothy of what to expect in the last days. In a few words, those people are self-serving egotists. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Does that sound like the unregenerate world of today? Sounds pretty familiar. Sounds pretty common. You know, misguided personal goals won't cut it. Let's learn the blessing with the Apostle Paul of dropping those old goals and adopting new goals. Back in Philippians 3 verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul reached for a power beyond himself. It was like he realized that the puny power that Paul brought to the table right now, that wouldn't cut it. Whereas before, as he was enumerating those things in the earlier part of that chapter, he just, he he ticked the boxes. He checked the boxes. He was of this tribe. He was of that uh, uh, A Pharisee of the Pharisees. He wasn't just a run-of-the-mill guy, but he was the top of the, the line. But he's realizing now, you know what? What he brought to the table won't cut it. He needed the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a self-sufficient observer looking in may never realize how needy he actually is. He blissfully plows through life quite self-satisfied and complacent in his own insufficiency. An observer. Here it's like Paul is reaching for, I think it uses the word dunamis, the, the dynamite power of Christ, the resurrection power uh, to be manifested in his life. Now, puny Paul that's reaching for that dynamite power, that dynamite strength. You know, a lot of us here this morning, I think, could say that we want to take part in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. But that's not where that phrase stops. Does someone have Philippians 3 open? What does it say after it it, it talks about uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection? Someone bailed it out if you have it. And the fellowship of his suffering. Hmm. It's like that first part, count us in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Count on Lowell. I want that power, that resurrection power. We want to be participants of that. But we draw back with that next phrase, the invitation to participate in the sufferings of Christ. It's like Paul was willing not only to be an observer, but to be a participant in the sufferings of Christ. And it's almost like he's tying the fellowship of Christ's suffering with the opportunity to participate in Christ's resurrection, resurrection power. I draw back from suffering. I think I'm normal. I don't think you're saying, ah. We need some sufferers who would like to volunteer. That's not where we're at. In many parts of the world, to identify with Christ, to go to the point of being baptized, can invite a tremendous amount of suffering. When you step across that line,
1: then you have identified yourself with that. All to be a participant may involve suffering. And for Paul,
0: it's almost like he's saying, Bring it on. I'm in. Being a participant isn't, being, isn't just one big happy popularity contest, it may involve following the commander into the heat of the battle. We need a power beyond ourselves. I want to look at a few scriptures here.
1: Matthew 5, verse
0: 10. I should have given some of these out. Do you have your Bibles with you this morning? Let me just give a few of these references out, and I'll have you belt them out when we get to them maybe. Uh, Someone look up John 15, verse 18. Delvin, thank you. Uh, for, uh second T- Timothy 3:12. Okay, Paul, thank you. Uh Galatians 2:20 back there. Okay. Um
1: Acts 5:40 40 and 41.
0: Get there just uh, kind of one at a time. To involve be or to be a participant, an active participant in Christ's army may involve following Him into the heat of the battle. Matthew five verse ten. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
1: Blessed. 15 Verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Is that all? Okay.
0: Paul's words, 2 Timothy 3.12, who was there? Is that in the back? Over here, Paul.
1: Wow. So what does that mean if we're not suffering persecution? If we're living on Easy Street.
0: I don't want to belabor that point. That's something to kind of take home and think about, okay? Uh, Galatians 2.20, again, Paul, identifying with Christ, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, however it goes on there. Acts 5, verse 40 and 41. On their way, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame or whatever. Wow, that's quite a testimony. That's quite a testimony. Well, back in uh, in Philippians three, not as though verse twelve, that, uh, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. An active participant. It may involve suffering, but I'm focused on the goal. And that's the direction I'm heading. Moving on here. Paul had a new compelling goal. He realized that he has not accomplished all that he hopes to someday. But he had a single focus, and that now consumed him, to press toward the mark for the prize. You know, it wasn't about a personal ambition that would make Paul look great. It was a pressing for the prize. And he says about that prize, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, it's like that walk of Paul's with Christ Jesus was something that was so precious to him. It's a prize. It's something to be be uh, sought, you know, it's a privilege for us to be called a child of God. It's a privilege for us this morning to be an active participant in the church of Jesus Christ. It's something to be treasured. It's something to be nurtured. It's something to humbly embrace, knowing that it's not something that we earn. It's not something that we could conjure up on our own. So what does it mean in practical terms to be an observer? What are some identifying characteristics? And I've jotted a few things now, and I may read them, may read them twice. I think that some of them are probably generalizations, maybe overgeneralizations, but it can help get our minds thinking. An observer. An observer may withhold his opinion on a subject That way he can criticize whatever track is followed. An observer may withhold his opinion on a subject. That way he can criticize whatever track is followed. An observer may be quite content to let others volunteer. He doesn't want to appear too eager. Observer may be quite content to let others volunteer. He doesn't want to appear too eager. An observer may be openly critical because he's not actually playing on the team like the belligerent fan that's yelling at the coach telling him what he should be doing. Openly critical, but he's not really a part of the team. An observer may see no need to study for his Sunday school lesson because that's the teacher's
1: job. An observer may do no more than he is asked and then do that only grudgingly.
0: An observer may arbitrarily decide what activities of the team he will support and what activities cost more effort than he wants to expend.
1: An observer is often more committed to personal comfort, than to truth. An observer may be outwardly
0: supportive of the church, but inwardly critical and withholding his support. The story is told of the old lady who was terrified of having her first airplane ride. After she returned, someone asked her how it went, to which she answered, you know, I never did put all my weight on that thing.
1: You know, that's fairly common
0: in the church. I never did put all my weight in that thing. I know of a person who was kind of struggling along kind of on the periphery of the church not very supportive, not very engaged, not plugged in. He went to another church, and in that church he plugged in. It was a smaller church, and uh, and uh, he really became involved in that church, and I think in that church he was seen as a real pillar. How did he go from being kind of a yard owner? Once he threw himself into it, once he put his weight into that airplane, and then he could become a useful part where he was. And I was wondering kind of wistfully, had he done that in the church before he left, if it could have been different for him there. An observer may actually work against the church by living a double life. He wears the uniform of the home team, but his loyalties lie with the opposing team one who maybe attends uh, church on Sunday, but living a double life when he's alone, when nobody else is around. Well, enough of the negative. How about a participant? How about an active participant? You know, a participant can be energized by the Think of uh, the spies when they went and how the 12 spies came back and the 10 were just paralyzed by what they had seen. It was like, Caleb, give me this mountain. Let's go for it. That might have been later when they were dividing the land.
1: I don't know. But let's
0: get after it here. A person may be energized by the giants, by the God who is bigger than any giant's. You know, a participant is willing to work toward a solution. A participant is willing to get his hands dirty. A participant is willing to speak out even if it's unpopular. A participant is committed to the team. A participant, a participant is committed to helping the weaker members of the team become better players. And I think we've looked at that ways, different times this week in these different metaphors, uh, we can be participating with Christ in helping each other in the different, uh, in, in, in the church. You know, a participant makes the effort to attend the practices and the games. A participant is one who is willing to work behind the scenes to do the jobs, the unpopular jobs that others don't want to do. A participant is one with a heart for the weak one, the struggling one, the lost sheep. He's willing to invest time, prayer, a shoulder to lean on, a listening ear. A participant is one who can discern God's will as he hears God's voice in his own heart, but also one who can help to discern God's will as he listens to the counsel of the brotherhood and other people who are seeking God's will with him. A participant is one has a good testimony in the community and whose private life agrees with that good public testimony. We've looked at the subject of observers and participants this morning. You know, in these issues, I haven't Times when I've been critical, when I should have been putting my shoulder to the plow, I want to appeal to all of you here at Bethel
1: Fellowship this morning.
0: committed to the team through thick and thin, to look out for the young and the mistreated, to encourage the coaches
1: to play by the rules, to be the cleanup batter when you're asked, but to carry water just as
0: enthusiastically. when that's your job. As active members in God's through the, with those who are passing through deep pain. There's a tremendous mutual strength in a group of active players. We have in that word picture the opportunity the opportunity to present the picture of Christ's unified body, live out that unity that Christ was praying
1: for in the future, in John 17. How is our church this morning?
0: Is it the unstoppable force, the power that goes charging through those flimsy gates that Satan has erected to try to keep the church out? The church this morning, much more than I'm discouraged.